non-rock a boatus must stop. I don't want to rock the boat. I want to sink it. Are you going to bark all day, little doggy? Or are you going to bite? Brett, delusional. Delusional is okay in your worldview. I'm an animal. You don't chastise chickens for being delusional. You don't chastise pigs for being delusional. So you calling me delusional using your worldview is perfectly okay. It doesn't really hurt. <laughs> she hung up on me. Yes! Yes! What? What? Desperate times call for faithful men and not for careful men. The careful men come later and write the biographies of the faithful men, lauding them for their courage. Go into all the world and make disciples. Not go into the world and make buddies. Not to make brosives. Right. Don't go into the world and make homies. Right. Disciples. I got, I got a bit of a jiggle neck. <laughs> That's a joke, Pastor. When we have the real message of truth, we cannot let somebody say they're speaking the truth when they're not. I wish you would bear with me in a little foolishness. Do bear with me, for I feel a divine jealousy for you since I betrothed you to one husband to present you as a pure virgin to Christ. But I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. For if someone comes and proclaims another Jesus than the one we proclaimed, or if you receive a different spirit from the one you received, or if you would accept a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it readily enough. That was first mm. century, y'all, not long after the resurrection of Jesus. That's the Apostle Paul talking to a church, um, and he is concerned for them uh, for a false gospel, them yes. following and believing in a false gospel. Another Jesus, another spirit. It was a reality in the first century. It is a reality in the 21st century. What's up? Well, welcome back to another episode of Apologia Radio, guys. I am Jeff. They call me the Ninja. This is the gospel heard around the world. You can get more at ApologiaStudios.com, A-P-O-L-O-G-I-A Studios.com. That's where you go to get over 300 radio shows, podcasts as well. You also can go there and sign up with All Access. When you do, you get every television show, after show, and you get Apologia Academy, uh, where you can take some special courses on um, how mathematics are possible because of the Christian worldview. You can do stuff on apologetics. You can do stuff on the Trinity. You can do stuff on the law of God. There is all kinds of stuff there. Douglas Wilson, Dr. James White, um, just a whole slew of people. Um, lots of guys are up there. I don't even, I yeah. have to go through the list to see who's Off the in top of my head. Apology like... Academy. It's amazing. Hey guys, go check it out. And when Quality. you guys sign up for All Access, you also partner with us as ministry, make everything we do possible. I'm going to introduce real fast and we have some very good news for everybody. Uh, this is Zach Attack. What's up, everybody? He is the Director of Communications with End Abortion Now. You guys can go to endabortionnow.com to get connected with us. That is Joy the Girl. Hello. How, we haven't even announced yet on the radio show today. We haven't. We, uh, ha yet. Um, <laughs> Joy well, the Girl is pregnant. She is. Yes. She's feeling very There go pregnant. my prego. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah? So yeah. Uh, we, we've known it for a while and we held off and... Congratulations. A second ago, I was like, I need to eat now. Yeah. And then now I'm like, I'll just take a nap now. Yeah. yeah. She left the table and she was like, 
Hands shaking. <laughs> She's like, can we eat before we start this? I was like, absolutely, absolutely. Don't come in the way of a pregnant woman in a meal. That's Amen. what I learned, man. So praise married. God. Uh, Joy, the girl, is pregnant. We've been praying for this for a long time. Answered prayers. God is good. And so... Mm-hmm. Uh, so the good news we want to announce is uh, this little hat right here next to me right now is ready to go. It is filled with our partners in ministry for our church plan on the island of Kauai. All you guys who gave to that work. Did I say something? Oh, no, I just thought it was a prop or something, or you were going to put it on your head. You know, it actually magic. had names in it. Yeah, I'm going to pull a, a rabbit out of it. Fun um, fact, Jeff actually does some tricks that are pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I do I do love magic tricks. When I was uh, 13 to 15, I, um, I used to daily go to the magic store at the mall near my house, and I used to do work there do magic tricks there and uh, oh I just, you work there that's pretty I, yeah cool. I, I, not officially not an official capacity <laughs> but i did tricks there cool. with for the you know audience and help them sell things and which is why if you're thinking about writing i don't know maybe like a discernment article about how jeff just thinks he's so cool <laughs> there you go <laughs> he does magic, magic. Mad material magic. for you right there uh so anyway this this hat is filled with all of our partners in ministry for our church plan on the island of Kauai. i'll just say this quickly the island of Kauai is wide open for a solid Christian church, gospel preaching ministry, about 70,000 permanent residents. It is, it is inundated with the cults and the new age all across the island. Uh, drug addiction and uh, alcohol addiction is rampant on the island. Uh, it is wide open, captive audience for the gospel and a solid church. We're there now. God has given us a gracious opportunity to bring the gospel in a very, very meaningful way to that island. You guys who gave towards uh, our church plant, I want to let you know how much it means to us. It is, it is so, it's, it's so important to us that this mission for the glory of God uh, is successful on that island, and it means the world to us to have you partner with us in this ministry. We really just can't uh, express to you our true gratitude. It means so much to us. We're grateful to God for his work there, for giving us the opportunity to do this, and we're grateful to God for each and every one of you. So if you gave towards our church plan on the island of Kauai, I want you to know each and every single one of you, and there were so many of you, um, I'm I'm deeply grateful to you from the bottom of my heart. It means so much to all of us. Uh, But we wanted to bless um, people for being a part of this with us. So what we're going to do is uh, all of our partners in this ministry, we're going to select um, two uh, to just gift with something special where we're going to fly you out to Arizona. Uh, we are going to give you a tour of the studio. You're going to meet everybody here at Apologia. Um, we are also going to put you on an episode of Apologia Radio. And we're going to take you to our one of our favorite places, uh, Fogo de Chao. And it's a Brazilian steakhouse restaurant where they bring meat on swords. It is really a cool experience. We've done it before. Um, I wish I could bring all of you out. I truly do. But we're going to pick two people to gift this to. And so that's why this is sitting right here. But that's even that's not the great news of the day, mm. uh, although it is great news. Um, what happened this morning, Zach, uh, while we were oh. doing, bringing the gospel to the abortion mill in Acacia? Hang on, guys. This is really, really good news. Very exciting. Tell everyone what happened. Well, God in his grace made it possible for us to see fruit of that ministry out there, and he saved two children today from death. Praise God. Two women uh, who incidentally happened to be both eight weeks pregnant uh, between the two of them. Um, Our team was there. They stopped them in the driveway, um, and they ended up turning away um, from killing their child. So it's just... It's just amazing the way that God does these things and the timing of it all. Because I was making a phone call this morning before heading out there to Marcus 
and uh, our friend Elvis, who also goes and ministers with us, and saying, hey, Elvis, Marcus is there ready to uh, record and get some content and, and film you guys doing the ministry before I get there. And they were, he was like, oh, okay. So he hung up, and then he uh, talked to Sherry, who's the lady that also goes out there with us, and says, hey, we need to hurry and get to the sidewalk. If they had taken just a little bit longer to get to the sidewalk, they wouldn't have encountered that girl going in oh, wow. at that time. Amazing. And the same thing has happened over and over to us out there where we're either delayed or we're rushing to get there mm-hmm. and the timing is just perfect it's where God perfect. brings someone at yeah. that moment yeah. to give us someone to minister to. And so God's all over this ministry yeah. um, locally and nationally oh, now yes. too with End Abortion Now. Oh, so yeah, God Saved yeah. Two Babies today. And that was uh, in less than two hours of just being faithful, just showing up. Praise God. So hear that, guys. Two image bearers of God had their lives spared today because of the Christian church going out to proclaim the good news to the women and fathers, uh, mothers and fathers going in and to offer help. And so praise the Lord for this ministry. Praise God for all of you guys that partner with us. You do need to know also when all of you guys are part of All Access with us, part of what that goes to is actually to fund all the stuff of the studio. So it's not just EA, like EAN is a ministry of Apologia Church and so is Apologia Studios. And so like they, there's a working together, all this stuff really kind of takes a combination of things. So when you give towards the all access and you get all that extra content and everything, $9.95 a month actually helps us to do these things. It actually makes it possible. So all that we're doing with EAN in Apologia Studios, it all sort of works in tandem yeah. uh, to make all this ministry possible. It's the only time we would use the term synergistic efforts synergism <laughs> yes that's right so praise god thank you guys everyone who's watching live right now uh thank you guys for joining us uh share this episode we're going to talk about mormonism today uh we meant to do it uh, last week but uh, some stuff came up we thought this would be important to talk about and right on the edge of where the culture is talking about it that was the michael jackson issue and justice and uh receiving accusations those sorts of things so that's up right now. Last week's episode was that. You can go to apologiastudios.com. You can listen to it there, or you can listen to it and watch it right here on YouTube. It's in our channel. Just go back to last week's episode on Michael Jackson. Um, and so that's what we're doing. We're going to do Mormonism today, and we're going to talk about Meat Fest. And so that's it. Anything you want to say before we get started? I'm ready. No? You ready to go? Oh, actually, well, I'm going to keep you guys hanging on. I know you guys, I'm going to give everyone a chance to get in here. Let's do this. We were, this is only three minutes, so hang in there, guys. Uh, we have, um, of course, our ministry of uh, End Abortion Now is, uh, is focused in upon engaging the culture with the gospel in the area of abortion. So you guys all know that. We also want to equip churches nationally and internationally to go and actually bring the gospel to where the killing is taking place. We have now over 350 churches who are connected with EAN, um, or somewhere around 350, I think, um, that are connected with End Abortion Now. That's not 350 people. That's 350 local churches. We have given them all their training for free. We have given them all of their resources for free. So that's all a part of what you guys are partnering with us in, is making sure these churches really, we're not a burden to them, we're helping them. Um, And so uh, we have churches that really internationally now who are working and saving children's lives where the killing is taking place. Um, but we also have an, a, a, a couple other things we want to do with an abortion now in terms of our gospel witness in this area, and that's actually engage the culture in the public square with the issue of abortion centered around the gospel. And so that comes to all of our social media stuff, exposing abortion, arguing against it from a biblical perspective, but also we're trying to raise churches up across the country uh, to go to their legislature 
and to actually demand justice for the preborn children, not from a pro-life neutral standpoint, but from an explicitly Christian gospel-centered standpoint on the word of God, we started to do that in November is when we did ago, yeah. started putting stuff up. And since that time, <coughs> excuse me, we have Christian churches all across the United States of America now who have been going to their legislatures and actually demanding justice for the preborn as Christians. Mm-hmm. Um, we have, uh, where was it happened? Texas, uh, of course, California, Arizona, Florida, California, Virginia, Florida, Pennsylvania. Um, yeah, a, a, a lot of different places. Alabama was another one. Um, so yeah, it's happening all across the nation. So I wanted right now. you to hear this one. We had five wonderful sisters in Christ, including your wife, mm-hmm. uh, that spoke yesterday at the Phoenix City Council. Be in prayer for that. The chief of staff of one of the legislators actually came to us and gave us his card, yes. and uh, said he wants to work with us. And so that Praise was very God. good news. I'm going to be doing that after the show today. I'm calling him. So be in prayer for me as I call him. Uh, I wanted to play this particular one. I'm sure we'll play them all at some point. Uh, they will be up on this channel, so you guys will get a chance to look at them. But this is Crystal Marshall. She's a member of Apologia Church, and um, I'll just let you hear because it is absolutely mm-hmm. incredible. <clears throat> Good afternoon. My name is Crystal Marshall. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, a local resident, a wife, and a mother to three daughters. I come to you today as a voice for the preborn, desiring justice for the defenseless, something that you swore to do when you took your position in leadership. I'm pleading with you to fight for your preborn citizens. Proverbs 24, 11 to 12 says, rescue those who are being taken away to death. Hold back those who are stumbling to the slaughter. If you say, behold, we did not know this. Does not he who weighs the heart perceive it? Does not he who keeps watch over your soul know it? And will he not repay man according to his work? So I ask you, council members, does not he who keeps watch over your soul know it? The Lord sees your hearts and your maker is whom you should fear. The Bible says in Romans 1 and 2 that God has revealed himself to us in creation all around us and he has written his law on our hearts. I'm not here today to convince you of the God of the Bible. He has already revealed himself to us all. God's word is the only objective standard of truth, and anything that does not line up with it should be immediately thrown out. Today, I'd like to address the argument that abortions should be okay for medically frail babies, essentially that some babies are okay to kill because they have health issues. Psalm 139.13 says about God, For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. Every child is given life by God. It is not our right to destroy innocent life based on fear, preference, or our perception of quality of life. A child in the womb with a diagnosis is no less valuable than any other child, and it is a command of God not to murder, Exodus 20:13. Doctors cannot play the role in God, of God in determining the value of life in the womb, nor can parents. When a diagnosis is given, that child deserves to be fought for with equal value as any other human being created in the image of God. Raising a special needs child isn't easy. I should know. My daughter was diagnosed with spina bifida at 20 weeks in my womb. My husband and I were told that we could kill her if we wanted, based on her projected future of difficulties. Today our daughter is four years old and is the joy of our lives. This is her. The doctors were alarmingly off with their predictions, and even if they weren't, it doesn't make her any less valuable. Having your baby killed because they're diagnosed in the womb won't save you any heartache. We joyfully celebrate her birthday every year instead of mournfully acknowledging the date we had her murdered because we couldn't bear to fulfill our duties as a parent to a child with a disability. 
All glory be to God. A medical diagnosis can be difficult, but murder is not the solution. Arizona Statute 13-3603 makes it already against the law to kill the preborn in our state. Therefore, please uphold your duty as a lower magistrate and resist the tyranny of a higher magistrate, an unjust law, by declaring Phoenix a sanctuary city for the preborn. Thank you. Thank you. Can I say one thing about yes, that? Yes, please do. You have to just think for a moment about how different this is compared to the typical pro-life person that goes to engage at this level because we watched this the other day yeah. online in Nevada, actually. We had a sister in Christ yes. speak there before a magistrate and everyone before her and after her on the pro-life side who was speaking to the legislature was talking about the, the importance of um, abortion's effects on the health of the mother, um, the mother's mental state, depression, suicide, how it harms women, all of this stuff. No, no mention of Christ, no mention of, of gospel, no quoting scripture, nothing like that. And then all of a sudden, the sister in Christ faithfully gets up on the microphone and she starts talking about not murdering, how God defines this as murder, how these magistrates need to govern in such a way that honors God, and it's about the gospel and protecting these children. Just the, the, the striking difference in contrast between the approach of the pro-life movement yeah. and someone who's actually standing on scripture and quoting the Bible in the way that they address the magistrates like it's supposed to have a binding effect on their behavior yes. and their judgment. Yes. Like it's actually supposed to make a difference in that. And so you look at two approaches like that and we just have to understand that that's what we're talking about. When, when we're bringing this into conflict with the public square, we're not going to them and begging them for something. We're telling them what God commands of them and demanding that they obey him. And that's the difference because the sad part about it is the, the pro-life approach to this is not much different than the modern evangelical church's approach to, to the presentation of the Christian gospel. Try Jesus. Right. Won't you please come to Jesus? Please, please. Well, it's, it's a beggar. Pragmatism. It's a begging, pragmatic approach as opposed to a, a faithful sister in Christ that gets up there, stands on scripture, and tells them what God commands of them. And you have to obey. Yes. Because Jesus is the boss. Because he's the king. He's the Lord. He's, he's the, the one king. that your authority comes from, by the way. Yeah. And so you have to govern in such a way as it pleases him. Yeah. Because you're accountable to him. You want to say something, Joy? No, I was just saying that is, that's what we see all over the place today. Yeah. Is don't don't get an abortion because it'll make you feel really bad about yourself. Yeah. Um, and but that's not really. Yeah. Which is not true. Really, yeah. Oh, it yeah. will destroy women. Oh, it, will. Yeah. it will make them depressed. They will yeah. abuse substances yeah. as a result. They will take their own lives. Statistics show that. But that's not what I'm standing on to say. Here's why you shouldn't do it. Right. There's all kinds of very practical benefits to the way that God has governed and created this world yes. but that's not why we're supposed to be obedient yeah. to him that's right that's right so hey guys praise god for that um this is happening across the country as zach mentioned um ellie um ellie may, ellie may in uh las vegas or outside of las vegas spoke before her, before her city council and he's right it, you should see that video and i'm able to put up on apologia somewhere you should see that video to see the stark contrast between how the pro-lifers will address this problem and how Christians engage this in the public square. It is a stark contrast. I think the woman who went before, Ellie May, actually was talking, like, arguing uh, in terms of, uh, uh, it, was, it was that kind of thing. It was like, you, should, you guys should read this, this study that was done right. in New Zealand about, yeah. about this and the impact on women's emotional health. I, I think you should just give it a chance. Or it's the like, APA, yeah. American Psychological Association, did a study. So right there you have two different authorities. Yes. 
I'm pointing to uh, this survey that was done, and then Ellie Mae gets up there and says, actually, I'm pointing to God's word. Yeah. That's my authority. Yeah. Turn to Jesus. <laughs> right. That's right. All right, guys. Meat fest. Um, are we drawing now? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Woo! The gift, the gifts that we want to give away to two of you. Again, if you guys are just joining us, so grateful for every single one of you who gave towards Apologia Kauai. I cannot thank you enough. I don't have the words for it. But we wanted to do something just to bless all of our team who's part of this ministry with us. And if you gave, you are part of this ministry with us. We wanted to find some way to be a blessing and just bless at, at least two of you. And so that's what we're going to do right now. So we have everything is in this hat right now in terms of we wanted to do it in a way that, that uh, you guys can all watch and we would do it to celebrate. And so do you I'm want a drum roll. Like the yeah, <laughs> drum roll, please. And gonna. it's oh hard. Gosh, we go. There's a lot and there's there's a ton in here. So. Mixing them up. I'm really good. excited to see ah! who. Of course. Brian oh, yeah. Brady. Woo-hoo. Can't wait to see Brian. Brian Brady. <laughs> number one, Brian Brady. Uh, praise God. Yes, yes, yes. Brian Brady. Uh, so put that right there. And then there's so many. I had a feeling Brian I, Brady would be I, one I, of them. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> Brian is such a huge supporter. Um, yeah. uh, okay, I hope I don't pull him again. Oh, man. Oh, by the <laughs> way, I didn't say that because, like, Jeff's picking specific people. <laughs> no, right. No, it's That's just not... it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> He's a huge supporter. He's so a huge we supporter intentionally picked him. No, we this all is random. <laughs> yeah. And Clinton Butler. Clinton right. Butler. Yay. So there you go. We got Brian Brady and Clinton Butler. There you go, guys. And uh want to just say thank you. And for those of you guys that are supporters of us and you, you bless us all the time, just know that we want to do these things kind of a re- on a regular basis um, uh, to, just because we want to, to, to find some way to, to bless all of you guys who are part of this ministry with us. There is Apologia Church proper, and then there is all of our brothers and sisters around the world who participate with us in this ministry. You are as valuable to us, trust me, and mm-hmm. all that God does here at Apologia, whether it's our ministry and outreach to the cults, to atheism, if it's engaged in the culture, if it's issues of justice, uh, whatever the case may be, whatever we're doing, the issue of abortion, saving lives, when you guys partner with us financially, you make this possible. This, I, wa- I want to just say something that seems obvious, it should be apparent to all of us, uh, this this isn't free. It costs, it costs money. Like It costs money to keep the lights on. It costs money to get places to engage at legislatures and to bring the gospel there. It costs money to go around the world to equip the church. We went to Australia right. and New Zealand back in November. And um, uh, since coming home, now there are Christian churches and ministries who are engaging the issue of abortion, abortion in Australia and New Zealand. We got word that uh, there was actually a save not long after we were there. They actually saved a life. If we went there just for that, yeah. if we went there just for that, it was worth it. But I know it wasn't just for that because we were able to speak in both Brisbane and Sydney and in Christchurch, New Zealand, to a number of Christian churches. It was truly an incredible experience, very humbling. And um, all that took place because of you. Mm-hmm. That's the truth. Because of you. you. You gave towards it. You made it all possible. So those lives that are being saved there right now is because you're in partnership with us as a ministry. And so we're just tremendously grateful. And we just, we just can't thank you enough. So again, Mr. Brian Brady and Clinton Butler. I'm not even sure Clinton... I don't, not a familiar name to me. No, no. So uh, and he probably goes by. He might. We just have full names because yes. we yeah. have. Yeah. The donate like 
usually there's many people that don't go by the name that's on there. Yeah. So we'll, their card. <laughs> we're not sure where Clinton's coming from. We happen to know who Brian Brady is. He's been a big supporter of Apology yeah. of Church for I can forever, look up Clinton. Forever. And uh, Brian is from Utah. Um, and so Clinton, not sure. Excited to meet you, brother. Thank you so much for giving towards mm-hmm. this. And again, thank you guys. Every one of you guys who are a part of this. Uh, mm-hmm. Thank you so, so, so much. All right, let's do this, guys. Let's get right into it. So first thing, I started the episode today and I talked about other Jesuses, other Gospels, other spirits. Yeah. It's an important subject because we are in a time now, and I'm sure we can all talk about this, especially with Joy with Sheologians and Summer, in terms of like um, Christians sort of slipping off a cliff in the West um, in, ter- in, in so many different ways, theologically, within church communions, whether it's even big organizations, uh, moving towards Marxist principles and those sorts of things. Um, you have, of course, the general evangelical move towards just an abandonment of the objectivity of Scripture and the ultimacy of Scripture, standing on it as the ultimate and declaring it. I mean, perfect perfect examples that we just mentioned about Las Vegas. You have people, I'm sure, the pro-lifers that were there who were professing Christians, right? But their their standard of opposition isn't, no, certainly don't want to mention the Bible. You certainly don't want to mention Jesus. You certainly don't want to call people to repentance. And so there's just a sort of a slipping off the edge um, in many, many different ways. And so we are in an interesting time where there are even people who are professing Christians that will say things like, you know, well, I mean, they'll even adopt what the culture uh, says about yes. truth. Like, you know, your truth is your truth. My truth is my truth. Like, well, I believe in Jesus. But yeah, I mean, they say they do, too. So they're fine. Leave them alone. Kind of a postmodern can, can and you a pluralistic share, mindset. Can you share? And this is powerful. Hey, check this out. you got to hear this story because it is moving and ugly. Um, I think you heard him talking about this. Can you tell everybody about what happened to you the other day at the abortion mill with a professing Christian in terms of what the guy said about conflict and in the the hugging and everything else. Tell everyone, because this is a premier example of exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, so I was out at the abortion mill preaching locally, and there was a gentleman that uh, came and stood behind me on the sidewalk for several seconds before I finally turned around and just said something to him. I just turned around and I said, can I help you? Because he was almost uncomfortably close. He was like standing almost directly behind me, just watching over my shoulder. And so I said, hi, sir, can I help you? And he said, I just wanted to, to see... Uh, what a big hypocrite you really were. And I didn't know this gentleman, but uh, we ended up going back and forth uh, for a few minutes about the legitimacy of us being there, what was happening inside the abortion mill. Babies are being murdered, and as Christians, we should uh, be there opening our mouths to try and stop it. And he uh, condemned me for confronting um, those who were going in. And he said that that was something that Christ would never engage in. That was actually conduct that was unbecoming of a Christian uh, to do something like that. Um, and so he continued to say that I was a hypocrite, um, although he didn't really define really what he meant at the time. And he said, if you want to understand uh, what Jesus would do if he was here right now and what Christianity, true Christianity looks like, I'll show you. Watch this. And he turned from me and he walked across the parking lot to the uh row of escorts. These are the women that escort women in to murder their babies. Um, the ones that greet them when they park and put the umbrellas in front of their faces and chirp in their ears so that way they don't listen to us and listen to them. He went across the parking lot to uh, give them all hugs individually. And so he hugged these women who, many of which have murdered their own children by abortion and who are escorting other women into the clinic to do the same. And then as he was coming back, um, I was asking him just simply because it occurred to me, I said, sir, is it wrong to confront people? 
And he said, uh, no, it's not wrong to confront people. And I said, okay, well, just a moment ago, you condemned me for confronting these women, and you said that that was wrong while standing there and confronting me for doing the wrong thing. Right. Mm-hmm. And Where so, was your hug? Right. Right. There you go. <laughs> and so I said, sir, it's actually you that's the hypocrite today. You are demonstrating your hypocrisy here today um, in condemning me for the very thing that you're guilty of. Right. And then you walk across that parking lot, and you speak peace, peace, when there is no peace. Right. You have no care for these children or these women whatsoever. And I found myself, of course, getting, I, I, I just have zero patience, especially for a man that walks across the parking lot and hugs these women that are sentencing these babies to death. Mm-hmm. And when you tell him there are children being murdered behind those doors and you just walked over there and you supported the, the aiders and abettors, mm. that's what you just did right, right now. You're, you're, you're saying that that was a peaceful Christ glorifying act that you just committed. Yeah. And you are so wrong about that, sir. Oh, and you, yeah. and he, he, he chastised me for, for not reading the Bible. Um, as I was trying to, as I was quoting scripture to him even, and he ended up leaving, but I just, uh, in retrospect, I was wondering if I was too harsh in my condemnation of his hypocrisy after he condemned me. But, um, I felt justified because I just have zero patience for a man that's supposed to be acting like a man, um, do something like that. Well, all I would say about that in terms of like really managing that, like where you have to actually be brutal. Yeah. with somebody with the truth. Like we're supposed to speak the truth in love, respect, gentleness, patience. However, however, um, there's a balance to that in terms of where there is wickedness and hypocrisy of that degree that has the kind of impact that it does, like going to hug death scorts and offer the women who are leading children in to be um, taken to pieces, like going to offer them solace and encouragement is such a wicked, wicked act. And you gave the and, example of what would happen if that was outside Auschwitz. That's right, going to hug the SS officers. Like, you know, we love you so much. It's like they are killing, Jew, gassing Jews tonight with li- and little babies. Like, go look at the pile of shoes being left behind, friends. So when you see somebody who is obstructing the gospel, actually violently obstructing the gospel, stopping your proclamation of the truth and the stopping you from saving babies from death, all I would say is this. Look, to the modern evangelical, go read the book of Acts. Yeah. Go read the book of Acts and watch the apostles when they were confronted with um, um, uh, an occultist, um, when they were confronted with somebody who's trying to stand in the way of the proclamation of the gospel, when they're actually trying to block it and be the, the wall between you and the person you're trying to reach. Look at how the apostles handled that kind of obstruction. Yeah. They did not play. With severity. Severity. Yeah. Right, very, yeah. very severe. And so, I mean, is striking somebody with blindness? Like, you know, and I, like, I, I don't <laughs> yeah. know. Was that That's loving? A harsh. Um, yeah. You know, uh, so, so when you look at moments like that, like, for example, we even put up a video, um, and this tells you the typical evangelical culture we're, we're in, put up a video the other, uh, yesterday of, um, of uh, us outside the abortion mill, and this is getting into Mormonism, guys, very, very much so. So hang hey, we'll with us, guys. It, yeah. no, it is. It is very much the thing that needs to happen for, between us and Mormons to reach them with the gospel. But this is the evangelical culture we're fighting against. I uh, put up a seven-minute video yesterday. It's of 30 minutes of preaching outside of the, the Planned Parenthood in Tempe. And what happened was, was one of the death scores drove out. And you can see it in the video. It's right underneath this one, I think, in our channel. Mm-hmm. You can see one of the death scores drive out, and she drives out, and she, she says something to me, and I didn't hear what she said. It was, it was something, you know, 
Uh-uh. Like, yeah, you know, right. like, you know, some insult or it's something. It's just mumbling after just a while. Mumbling. Yeah. And so I turn around like, what's that, ma'am? And then I call her to repentance and faith. And then when she drives away, he, here's a woman who's there regularly leading children into their death and encouraging moms who are doing it. And she drives away. And I see on the back of her cars all these social justice stickers and, you know, typical woke kind of stuff. And then I see one that says Black Lives Matter. Mm-hmm. Now, this is a woman who's actually led so many black lives to their death. Right, who encourages it on a daily basis, who's part of the industry that's killing the most black people as an yes. industry. And she has the audacity to have a Black Lives Matter sticker on the back of her car. It was stunning to me. And that was a moment where I wasn't addressing the women who went in. Right. I'm not talking to the moms who are getting out of their cars to go kill their babies I, who, that we want to minister to. I'm talking to the actual death squirts who are there blocking us with umbrellas and singing into the women's ears and trying to encourage them. And it's okay, sweetie. It's okay, honey. How many black lives have been ended because of these death scores? Who, who, who could possibly know but God? And so I saw a Black Lives Matter sticker, and so I called it out with a very, very firm hand. But I also, in the midst of it, also called out to the death courts and told them how valuable they were to us and how they needed to turn to Christ. But there are moments where you do have to just speak the truth, and you have to be willing to take the consequences. Whatever comes, comes. Mm-hmm. Um, and, 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 of course, um, harsh language for the sake of harsh language is just a sin. Right. And if you see somebody who's engaged in constant harsh language, it's just like the nature of their language. They can't speak without being rough and abrasive and hard like it's like eh, something's wrong because not every context calls for the harshness. And you don't see that in Jesus or the apostles. However, you do see Jesus giving very, very harsh language and condemnations to the degree that they wanted to kill Jesus. People say, like, oh, Jesus would always be sweet and nice to people. Is, do you think that that's why they wanted him dead? Right. Because he was always super sweet and nice to them, meek and mild That's why Jesus? entire crowds of people would turn away. Right. Like yes. everyone's leaving Jesus because they couldn't stand what he was saying. Because they just didn't want any more hugs. Right. That was it. And that's what this comes down to is the way that the prophets of the Old Testament, Jesus and his apostles engaged the culture and called out hypocrisy or people that were impeding the proclamation of the gospel. As Christians, we can't adopt a standard of piety that is higher than their conduct. Yeah. We can't say it's holier to just be sweet all the time. Right. Because Jesus would never do that. Well, he did do that, and mm-hmm. it's plain in mm-hmm. the pages of Scripture. Yeah, It's well, evident. It's very clearly, obviously, there are moments in the Bible where it says, um, like, don't be hasty and don't be angry when you call, especially a brother, a fool. Yeah. But also, it says to call out foolishness. Right. And there is tons of, I mean, there are entire, there are entire books of the Bible that are all about what is a fool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and how to address that person and what their life is going to look like. Um, and I think that a, a, a big problem that we see from uh, Christians specifically wanting to step back and just bring people around and make Jesus palatable and the Bible palatable to people is that you see um, what should be the most logical, well-spoken group of people christians and they don't know what they don't know how to think they don't know what a hypocrite is Mm -hmm. a hypocrite is just someone who is doing a thing that i don't like and that i don't think jesus would do but and no one has ever actually challenged them to say do you believe in the god of the bible (laughs) because if you don't you're not a christian Mm. and you know what that's okay like not everyone has to be a christian Mm -hmm. um i would 
you know, we're not going to stop evangelizing. Mm -hmm. But the point is, is if you're not a Christian, why, what do you need to call yourself one for? Mm -hmm. If you don't believe in Jesus, if you really believe in a Jesus that would only hug people who are assisting in the yes. slaughter of children, yes. mm. you don't believe in the G in the Jesus of the Bible. Uh -uh. And that's, and what that's comes who down. we're talking about here. Yeah, that's, <laughs> and that's yeah. where the Apostle Paul comes in and says, I'm concerned for you. Right. Because you're being led astray to a different gospel and a different Christ. Mm. Yeah. And this Christ yes. can't save. Yes. And his, that supposed good news is not going to save anybody. So when I'm at the abortion mill like today and I'm calling out to women and I see a car in the parking lot and I know that this car in the past has parked next to us and specifically set off their car alarm to try to drown out the sound of our voices. And then I look at the bumper sticker on that same car and it's to one of the largest Christian churches here in the valley. Oh. Yeah. Wow. Something is dreadfully wrong yes. right. with our brand of Christianity. Right. Yes. Dreadfully yeah. wrong. Well, and we're trying to, we are, we have, we said the God of the Bible is too mean mm -hmm. and people aren't going to like him. They're going to stop coming to church. And, and so we had to, well, and we're cowards. That's mm. the biggest reason yes. why. Yes. The biggest reason yes. why is that we don't want to tell anyone something that they don't want to hear. So what we did is we decided that we needed to make this Jesus, this gospel, this Bible into a version that is very nice and people will come around to and no one like no one can no one should look at you as a Christian and think, whoa, crazy alert mm -hmm. or anything like that. But the Bible actually promises you that people will do that. Right. Yes. They will not just think you're crazy, but they will hate you for it. Right. And then the Bible says, don't worry, they don't hate you. Yep. They hate me. They're God. rebelling against yeah. me. Right. And my it's gospel. not a problem mm -hmm. with there is nothing that we can do that is going to make haters of God hate God less. Mm -hmm. That's right. That's not going to happen. That's the spirit's work. Right. And so there is there's some there's a really wicked form of idolatry which is that we think we know better than God. Like mm -hmm. we're acting on his behalf. Yes. And like, oh, we'll bring more servants Let's to you. We'll bring him. more glory to you by yeah. But but what we really need to do is we just need to pull back a little bit. And we really need people to think that Jesus was just about hugging and mm -hmm. not actually anyone's salvation. Right, yeah. right. It, it, was, it wasn't Jesus' sweetness and hugging that got him put before um, the legislature of his day mm -hmm. where everyone is saying, crucify, crucify. Right. Oh, Jesus or the, the murderer, Barabbas? Not Bar Give us Barabbas yeah. and kill that guy. Yeah. Well, why? He only is giving away hugs. <laughs> like he's just being right. sweet. No, like this comes on the heels, if you read Matthew, that comes on the heels of like Matthew 21, 22, 23. When this is where Jesus comes into Jerusalem. He's like, and here's your tables. Right. And he goes, and this little tree right here, you, <laughs> yeah, curse you, no more fruit ever from you again. And let that mountain be cast into the sea. Of course, reference to Israel. And then he goes, and uh, let's see here, and uh, God's going to have this wedding feast. And the word goes out, no one who is invited is coming. So he's going to send his armies to burn your city down. Hmm. And then he's also going to take the kingdom of God away from you and give it to others that will actually produce fruit. Um, and so Jesus is like, he's talking to them and they know it. This is why they're so angry. Because he's like, you're saying God's going to kill us? He's going to take away our entire religion? He's going to mm -hmm. do that? Like, what, do you, what were you saying? He's going to displace our system of yeah. worship? And then Jesus is like, and Matthew 23, woe to you. Je that's, by the way, not Jesus going, whoa. Whoa, bro. You, good job, bro. He's yeah. saying, woe to you, woe to you, woe to you, which means the curse of the eternal sovereign God upon you, like now. Like yeah. the curse of God on you. He says, woe to you, watch, blind guides 
hypocrites, pretenders, fakes. Where's the loving, sweet Jesus who's coming up and just sort of like rubbing up against him like, yo, you want to get some coffee or, you know, you want to hang out in the Starbucks and just chit chat about spirituality? Jesus is like, I, I, I'm, you're going to die and you're blind and you're a fool and you're a fake. That's what Jesus is saying. Yes. And guess what? That's what got him killed. And some of people today, evangelicals today, would love to come alongside Jesus after reading the New Testament and they'd like to go, I'd like to help him out on how he can get more followers because he turned away so many people. Right. There's so many people he could have potentially gotten into his church and his fold, but he just turned them away. And, and it's like, that's how they view Jesus. Let me help Jesus be better at Jesus. And, and I know we're being silly and tongue in cheek with this, but I, I can't take credit for this, but Paul Washer gave a, a message recently. He said something that was profound in terms of this point. He said, what we've done in the modern evangelical context is We've dressed up Christ's bride, the bride that he shed his blood for and gave his life for. We've dressed her up like a prostitute, and we've tried to use her as a means to attract carnal men. Mm. And that's the best description church I could have ever heard. Of pleasing heard. to the eye of the world, mm -hmm. basically. Right. Mm -hmm. right. And so that's, that's what right. we've done. And so with that, that gets us to the context of our engagement with Mormonism. This is all wrapped up together, friends. All of it is together. This is why it's so critical in terms of refuting Mormonism. And, and, and that word even itself, refuting Mormonism. That's right. <laughs> Taking the claims of Mormonism and Joseph Smith and Brigham Young and Orson Pratt and Orson Hyde and all the modern Mormon prophets and apostles taking their truth claims and refuting them in the light of Scripture, calling it out as false, not true, false gospel, false God, you will go to hell for all eternity if you do not turn to the true and living Christ and experience the grace of God and the gift of salvation in him. And mm. if you continue to follow the false God of Mormonism, the false Christ of Mormonism, you will spend an eternity separated from God. Like to say that nowadays with the evangelical culture is like, Ooh, like mm. maybe you should try to be a little sweeter. Maybe invite him over for a barbecue first. Well, and typically, especially with Mormonism, the response would just be, well, they're Christians. Mm -hmm. And that's certainly what the Mormon would say. Yeah. But that just comes from, we we're talking about this postmodern world that believes, so you can say something like Christianity, something with a definition and a history and a creed. An objective meaning. Right. Yeah. And it just kind of means whatever you think it means. It's mm -hmm. the same thing we deal with, with, with feminism, Christian mm -hmm. feminism specifically. People just say, oh, well, I just think that men and women are equal. And it's like, that's not just what feminism is. Mm -hmm. And so you can't just be a Christian and believe whatever you want. That's right. So you, there is an objective standard by which we can assess yeah. who is a Christian and who yeah. is not. Well, and I'm, yeah. not, I'm not referring to salvation right, here right, right, necessarily, right, sure. but I'm saying like, in terms of belief and what, what someone say. would profess. What they yes. say. And, 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 and Joy, let's, maybe we can, that's a perfect way to segue into what we were getting at here. The Apostle Paul, early, early on, I mean, not long after the resurrection and ascension of Jesus, it's not long. I mean, the Second Corinthians is not far after the, the Jesus rose again from the dead. And it's really interesting when you read it. Like, if you read, like, large chunks of the New Testament yeah. together, it you realize it really didn't take place, not, like, far apart. Not far apart. Other. And he even like, remarks in Galatians, I am astonished at yes. how quickly. How right. quickly you you're deserting him a culture by the grace right. of Christ to another gospel. Which like, is I'm really, shocked. Which is really not <laughs> another. There's some who are troubling you and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. That's like, it's Galatians and arguably one of the earliest right. written. Right. And yeah. he's like, I can't even believe this. Yes. Why you're are we already, here already? <laughs> you're already deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ for another gospel. You're already going to mm -hmm. abandon Jesus and his work and his grace for this substandard yes. thing. 
Um, and what Paul does is in, in 2 Corinthians 11, what he's saying there, and look what he says, just in terms of just hear it and how and what he puts it on. He says, I'm afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. So he's putting this like, you remember how Satan deceived? Like, I'm worried about you in that mm-hmm. same respect. And for what? Like, you'll be following another Christ, another gospel, another spirit that cannot save you. And what he says is, I'm worried these people are going to come in and they're going to preach a false Christ. He goes, and you might put up with it. Mm. Like, that's, that's 21st century evangelicalism, guys. It is. Like, you know, uh, well, mm, I don't, I mean, come on. It's, it's a little off. It's like, you know, even a popular situation happening right now with a modalist speaking yes. uh, against abortion. And everyone's like, oh, this guy's Christian. He makes all kinds of great Christian viral videos. If he's a modalist, he's a heretic. He doesn't know God. He has a different God. A different And the reason Jesus. that matters is because the God that's uh, false can't save you. That's right. That's right. And so we should say that we shouldn't, as Christians, yield to a false Christ and a false God and a false gospel. I mean, here's the thing. Look, we have so many people that we partner with in ministry, um, Anglicans, uh, Presbyterians, um, Baptists, uh, non-denominational denomination, like all, like we're all together, but we're all centered around like the essential truths, like the gospel and who God is. And like, we're all together. We might have disagreements. Like I, I got Angli- I got reformed Anglican pastors that I'm like buddies with. And we have like side issue debates, like side issue debates. Careful though, Anglicanism is in a disaster situation right now. So don't just go, oh, I can go to Anglican church. Oh, no, no, no. Um, <laughs> even Anglicans will tell you that. No, no, no. There's a brand of Anglicanism that's safe right now and not all. Um, but like, we're fine. We're good. We work together. We preach the same God, same gospel. Like you can have these differences. The Adiophora stuff, look, it just have a cup of coffee with graciousness over those issues love each other serve each other don't destroy each other don't destroy each other over those things like if you if you don't like tattoos okay but like let's not separate because of that issue like let's have an in-house debate and let's work together with the gospel over that issue you know if you if you think that um i don't even know like if you like uh i think you should only at the most have a guitar in worship but nothing above a guitar like no drums no nothing Adiaphora, like let's work that out of our time together. That's not central stuff around the gospel. Like, like let's l- allow our differences to, and let's keep our arms in each other's arms and like let's serve the Lord, our God, together. But when you talk about a different God, mm. like you're not even you're not even talking about the same family. This isn't the family of God. Like when you're talking about bringing somebody in just because they use the name of Jesus into a Christian event for the purposes of ending abortion, who's a modalist? Yeah. How dare you? How dare you accept that kind of falling off the theological cliff? Yes, it's vital. Yes, it's important. Because here's the thing. Ready? Let's, let's take two things. And this is all in the Mormonism discussion. It really, really is. Joseph Smith says, um, Jesus Christ is one God among many gods. He's the spirit offspring of Heavenly Father and one of his goddess wives, who was also a man one day who has a God before him and spirit all brother the way back. Lucifer. Jesus is spirit brother of Lucifer. But you're like, but they said his name is Jesus, though. Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's like, and then, well, let's move on to the Muslim. Well, the Muslims say that they deny that Jesus even died and rose again. Like that atonement wasn't, that was not real. Like Jesus didn't die like, and rise again from the dead. But they still say, uh, Jesus Christ, peace be upon him. Like as though like that's the Jesus we're talking about or Paul's talking about. Or you can have the Jesus of the Rosicrucians or the Jesus of the New Age or just run along down and just start Jehovah's saying Witnesses, everybody yeah. has the name Jesus Christ. Like everybody uses it. 
but which one is the real Christ? Which one's the Jesus that actually can save? Which one's the was one? Was he a man or yeah. was he just a made up like force that you just decide kind of who he was for you? Yeah. Oh, actually, that's good. I'm glad you said it like that. That's actually powerful. You just watch. fill him with your own meaning. Because, right. Because watch this. This is big. Um, you see that the Apostle John, Apostle Paul were fighting against Gnosticism early on. Oh, it's in yeah. our New Testament itself. And that was one of the great enemies of the Christian church in the second century of the church was Gnostics who would den deny that God would take on flesh because mm -hmm. the world is evil, it's tainted, it's full of you know sin, and God would never taint himself with this earthly thing. And so the fact, the idea that God would take on flesh to become a man is just so far beyond what God would ever do. I mean, come on, Christians. God would never do that. He was just a spirit. He was just a spirit. And you know what the Christians were saying to that? Um, let that burn in hell forever, that idea. Let it never come across the lips of a true believer. And that Jesus cannot save you. That's another Christ. That's another gospel. And so that's, that's a key thing, too, because, you know, you have Gnostics in the first and second century. They're also using the name of Jesus. And they were the enemies of the apostles and condemned. Mm -hmm. And so now we come to the 21st century. Now we've got everyone going, Jesus, Jesus Christ. Like, here's my version of Jesus. Well, the Bible says there's only one. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Paul says, if you've got a different Christ, different gospel, can't save you. Can't. Yeah. So who is your Jesus? Now, Mormonism teaches another Christ. I gave you a picture of that a moment ago. I said they believe you have the Father, sex with his goddess wives, Jesus, Lucifer. And then Jesus comes down. Early Mormon prophets and apostles taught that he was a polygamist. Um, Atonement began in the garden, finished on the cross. Uh, your works end up being your salvation into exaltation. Because what's the ultimate goal of Mormonism? It's not salvation. General salvation is available to everybody because this Jesus rose again from the dead. So everybody's going to be generally resurrected. We've got these three kingdoms thing, like which one are you going to go to? Celestial, terrestrial, te terrestrial, or telestial. There's this thing called outer darkness, which Mormons today are like, well, I don't really know if that really is a thing, and you know if yeah. that's really an issue. Like that's everybody's a good point right there. Even good. within Mormonism, there's a, a changing of the guard, so to speak, with what's mm -hmm. acceptable and what's really true and what's kind of they're really squishy on. But yeah, you <laughs> so, see a lot of different yeah. religions sort of uh, defanging yeah. a lot of their more controversial parts, right. like the parts that would actually send someone somewhere negative where they would be punished oh, for something hey look at this this is why i love doing live videos hey look what someone just said here hey in terms of guys the, the necessity of this ministry and what god does to god alone be the glory we are just vessels we are just broken vessels we we jars of clay jars of clay we do not have special things about us that make us so unique and amazing everything you see is a gift of god but look samuel uh, make sure i don't i don't want to offend you your name at mulas mulas he says, Jeff, I'm so thankful to you. I used to be a Mormon, and because of you, I was able to understand the gospel properly, and now my passion for Christ and the word is stronger than ever. Praise God. So why? What, what's important about this? There you go. Samuel, your whole life is why I did this. this. If this whole life, if this whole ministry, if everything existed for you to come to know Jesus, we believe it was worth it. It's a mm -hmm. life well lived. That is the truth. And so people say, like, why are you doing this ministry? Why do you care? Because Samuel, that's why I care. Because mm -hmm. Samuel. Yeah. Well, um, I think the misunderstanding of not wanting the church to sound mean is that so well the implication there is that we just want to be mean to people. Right. Right. But really the point of you saying what you said to Mormons is that it's true. Yes. And you are leading them you're you're attempting to lead them away from yeah. a false Christ and to the true Christ. Yes. So that they can be saved and 
have peace which is and loving. not be foolish yeah. and yeah, yeah it's yeah. ultimately it's a form of love that we have m- t- vastly misunderstood yeah. in our culture and just as we go on to the next step here just to answer some of your live questions for you guys who are listening live thank you guys for doing that please share this content with everybody help us to get the word out um someone said here manuel silva says um uh, what I'm trying to say is I would love to see Jeff Durbin debate Stephen Anderson live so Stephen Anderson's followers could see the truth face-to-face. We would love to do that. We've offered that n- a number of times to Stephen Anderson. Um, he is afraid to do public debates uh, is what I believe. Um, he won't do them. Um, and, uh, yeah, he, he basically likes to hide behind a camera and so make all kinds of uh, false allegations and uh, pray for him, pray for those who are under his influence. But we've tried to get him to debate, and he won't, he won't do it. He's, he's uh, I believe, scared to do that. Um, okay, so let's see here. Duh, 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 duh. All right, let's go right into, let's play Let's play an example. Want to do that? Sweet. Let's do an example. So uh, for those of you guys who are listening right now, I um, encourage you guys, if you're new to Apologia, um, Joy has a, an amazing show you need to check out. It's Sheologians. Uh, so for all, especially for all the ladies who are here in the feed right now, go to, she, go to ApologiaStudios.com. You can go to Programs. Sheologians is there. Listen to her in summer. Uh, it's an amazing show. Or you can go to Sheologians.com. You can check it out over there as well. Um, and uh, if you look here in this channel on YouTube, um, you can go through hundreds of videos where we're engaging with Mormons and atheists and things like that, but hours and hours and hours of content and teaching on Mormonism. So this is just sort of a, just a little taste today. So here, um, let's see here, Mormon, this is probably right here. Let me play this one. Mormon couple argues with Christians at the temple. This is during our temple evangelism. This is a Mormon couple that um, I believe walked up to Perry who was there. And um, this is a little sample of the conversation. Prayed about that, and they believe it with all their hearts. That's between him, him and God, then. So where do we go for actual solid God. truth? Do God. we go to God and His Word? Yes. Okay. In God. God's, in, you, you not, go not God. His Word. You take His Word. You you look at it. You study yeah. it. You emphasize it, and then you go on your knees and pray to God that it's what you think that says it means is true. Okay. Can I ask you a question? In in I. Did you catch that? What you sure think you it go means. to the Bible. <laughs> yeah. Sure you go to the Bible, and then you go, you pray, you study, and then you just come to whatever conclusion that you think it means, mm. right? It, watch this. It, it, this man doesn't really believe that. Yeah. He doesn't really believe it in any other part of his life except this moment. Because if he wrote something, if he wrote something down, and he handed it to, to 10 people, and they all came back with their own wild-eyed views of what he wrote and what he was right. talking about, he would say... Excuse me, I said nothing like that. Don't you know how the written word works? Right. <laughs> Have you not read? <laughs> didn't you read it in context? I didn't say anything like that, remotely right. like that. He wouldn't hold to this standard in any other area of his life. He wouldn't. Not if he's going to live in a rational or meaningful way. He doesn't do that. And, um, and, and you, you know just in terms of how we live in this world and as image bearers of God and and the, the light of, of, of God in our lives, each and every one of us, that every image bearer of God knows you can't live like that. But in this area where he knows that his faith contradicts the living word of God, he has to set up an ulterior alternate standard where he says, well, you just come to your own conclusions and you know that's, that's how you figure it out. Yeah, which in and of itself is what Romans 1 says about a sinful suppression of the truth. That's right. In this one area, there is something else that is overriding the principle of scripture. That's right. And that's what he has to hold down. That's right. Isaiah 43.10, God says, Before me there was no God formed, neither shall there be after me. But as a a Latter-day Saint, don't you believe that there were gods before God and you can become one one day? 
we believe we can come one, yes. Yeah, and so but, but what would you said, what would you say twice, to God there? Twice said the same thing. Be well, ye therefore perfect. Even sure. Isaiah, your father then was perfect. Yeah, about he, our, about that, righteousness. But, but no, that's not about becoming a God one day. What? Well, well, no, yes it is. Well, Just be ye therefore perfect, even as your father in heaven. That has, has to do with righteousness, no. not becoming a God. Be, if, you, if you're perfect, you become a God. Yeah, that's... It's definitely not what the Bible teaches. Now, it's also not logical. Um, and uh, that was in the context of Jesus talking about um, righteousness and holiness. Yeah, kingdom righteousness. N- nothing yeah. about becoming a God one day. And this is also the danger in terms of engaging with the modern Mormon. Just know this. And, and I think you, you grew up, you were born and raised in Arizona. Mm-hmm. And Oh, yeah. Yeah. Everywhere. Uh, yeah. So more Mormons, and we're aware of this. I mean, I went to Gilbert High School my last like six months of school, and I saw it there, and it was like, Wow, this is incredible. Uh, you have Mormon seminaries that are set right outside of local Arizona schools mm-hmm. in the valley. High schools, yep. And what Mormon teens will do, and kids will actually depart from classes or school, and they'll go over to get trained in Mormon seminary. And what you just need to be aware of, and if you're in a place like this, is that these teenagers have been equipped through high school years on how to answer Christians to respond, at least they used to be. I'm not sure what they're doing now, to be honest with you. Yeah. But they used to be trained on how to talk to Christians. And one of the things that they're taught is, is to proof text. And so they used to, at least back when I first started engaging with Mormons, you used to get surrounded by Mormon teenagers that would be flipping out proof text with you constantly. I've seen a lot, a lot. That's a rarity now. Yeah. Uh, but I've seen a lot less of that. But they used to just, just whip them out like this. Be ye perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. That means you become a god one day. <laughs> Uh, that's one verse. That's, let's go to that text and let's see what the context is, what's being said Matthew there. Five. Another one is like, you know, you say, you know, you guys believe you can become gods one day. And they'll say, well, Paul says there be gods many and lords many. And Christians go, really? I don't even know wh- where. And it's like, can we open to 1 Corinthians chapter 8 for a second here? Do you realize that that thing that you quoted is literally sandwiched between two verses that say that there's only one God? Right. Like it's literally, you go, Oh, Paul's referring to all the false gods and idols in the world, gods many and lords many, so-called gods. It's like, it's a proof tech. It's just sort of a whoop, whip it mm-hmm. out and throw it at the Christian. What we have to do is say, go to the text. What does it actually say? And again, this man wouldn't do this in any other area of his life. I'm convinced of it. Well, at least I hope not. That's what well, Mormonism teaches, but that, that's definitely contrary see, to what Scripture says. No, see, to me it doesn't. Well, what would you say to God when he says, before me there was no God formed, neither shall there be after me? I wouldn't. It wouldn't be an issue with me. I wouldn't well, have to even, say anything to him. Even though, even though that fundamentally denies what you believe about God? When I stand before God, and if it's an issue, then we'll deal about it then. <laughs> oh, no. I, I guess, I mean, if Romans chapter I mean, 3 means anything... You're going to stand before God and not give an excuse for anything. Yeah. That's he not going to be a time to talk. Then. He will deal with it then. Yeah. yeah. And that's not, that's like what, like a part of me wants to laugh and a part of me wants to cry Seriously. when he said that because yeah. that's not, you can't, I don't, I just can't imagine. First of all, I can't imagine standing before God, Yeah. With but I sin? also can't imagine. It's not a day to I come can, reason yeah. Yeah. with God no. on that day. That's mm-hmm. the day when every mouth is mm-hmm. shut. It's not the day where you talk about how you decided what Jesus was Mm -hmm. and if he was really a man and if he his works were accurately described in the Bible Mm -hmm. or if he was just a guy that gave out hugs or whatever that's not the (laughs) that's not the day that you're it's interesting too um this is a a powerful testimony to like when you have a false version of God right like when man-made when man-made religion like creates the God of the system even when they use like Christian titles and things like that 
it always diminishes the true holiness of God, right? It always ends up diminishing it. And diminishes in a couple ways. Like, for example, I'll say, let me say two ways. It diminishes it in one way. In a case like this, the guy's like, you know, hey, if I had the wrong God the whole time, well, I'll, I'll deal with it when I'm in front of him. God's and reasonable and nice. Yeah, it's yeah. like you don't understand the holiness of God right. and the effects of your sin. And if yeah. you think you can reason, if you think God's like that, that you're going to be able to take your sin into his throne room and like put it before his feet and just be like, what do you think? Like, can we work this out? Like, kind of right. thing? he's a holy God and a just God, and he mm. cannot even have sin in his presence and in yeah. his sight. So when you think about that, it's like, well, there's one way the man-made religion diminishes the holiness of God is they always make their fictional God sort of just like a little like, well, let's work this out. Like, you know, uh, maybe I'll tolerate a little bit of this. Another way man-made religion perverts the holiness of God is in how all man-made religion teaches the fictional idea that through our own yes. good deeds and righteousnesses, somehow we're going to be able to make up for all of the bad things that we did, which shows that it also diminishes the true holiness of God in terms of like God can take some sin. like Which that, is, yeah, really <laughs> sin's not that bad. Yeah. Right. It's really not that bad. So right. God's it's not, not as sinful. sensitive as you're making it out to be, and you're really not as much of a sinner. So, I mean, he even was talking about, you know, being perfect and right. becoming a God. And it's like, what hope does any Mormon even have right. of that? Right. Mm. Right. Like, can can the faithful, lovely Mormon even look at their own heart and say, I'm going to become a God? Right. Mm. So that is the standard for that. And so, and you must like, obviously if you've committed your life to this, mm -hmm. you're going to say, yes, my, my goal is to become a God one day. Yeah. But ultimately you're going to, you know that your sin is not just a little bit sinful. It is sinful. Yeah. Is a lot of bit a word? Yeah. yeah. A lot of bit. A little bit. A lot of bit. As uh, much as it can possibly be. Yeah. And so like. It needed blood for yeah. to cover it. So. Yeah. Death. Blood of God. Yeah. Son. Like God yeah. himself coming to become a man to have his righteousness yeah. account for you and his, his death to take the death you should have gotten. Right. And to conquer that death. And it's like, you know, so someone says, what's the contrast? Well, the message of scripture in terms of contrast is being in Christ through faith as a gift, nothing to do with you. So like, watch, the Christian, like my own, if I could if I could have got it more of a chance to answer this man, what I would have wanted to say is, is no, I, when I think about my moment where I stand before God for the first time, like outside of this flesh, mm -hmm. and I, I see him face to face, I am telling you as a believer who knows the holiness of God and God's word about the gospel, I do not want to mention a moment of my own righteousnesses because they are cast before his throne as filthy rags. I, if, if God says to a Christian, why should you and I be okay? Why are we okay? Why should I let you know our presence for all eternity? The Christian goes, right. Because mm -hmm. of his work, right. because of his righteousness, I do not want an inkling of my life to be before your eyes in terms of my sin, my unrighteousness, my righteousnesses. I, I want to hide in your son forever. Yeah. And I only want his righteousness to be standing in front of me and you. And I only want his death on my behalf to count in terms of what I deserve for my life. I only want Jesus. I want his work alone. I don't want anything else. I want to stand in him for all eternity. That's the difference. And if you say right now as a Mormon watching this show, how's that possible? I want it now. I would say, Right now, turn from your sin to the living Christ. Put your faith in him and his work and righteousness alone. The true God, the eternal God, not the false God of Joseph, 
the false god of Mormonism. Turn to him in faith, abandon your sin and self-righteousnesses, and come to Jesus. That's mm. the call. So a uh, little bit more of this. Just uh, here you go. So right you, now, so I, don't, I don't believe it's an issue. You're, you're prepared to accept God's condemnation for Joseph's revelation. I don't believe they were, they were wrong. Well, Joseph, Joseph came along and almost 2,000 years after Christ and gave a new revelation about God and who Jesus is that is clearly in contradiction to what God has you already see, revealed. We, we believe that it's not. Well, I just gave you one example. The Bible teaches there were no gods before God. You can't become one one day. Joseph said... Okay, but, but then if you read Genesis... Yeah. God says, let us go down and make man in our image. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, but let no, us. It doesn't say that. It says, let us go down. Yeah, well, because what the Bible it? teaches that there well, is only the one us? God. Who well, are the us? well, the Bible teaches there's only one God. And it says, let us create no, man in our single image. Our well, God. you believe in three gods of this earth. No. You do? No. Do you accept Joseph's revelation? Yes. Okay, we Joseph do. said, um, As a prophet. Many men say there is only one God. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit are only one God. He says, I say that's a strange God anyhow. Three in one, one in three. It's a curious organization. All are to be crammed into one God according to sectarianism. He says it'd be a wonderfully big God. It'd be a giant or a monster. He says, I have always... He says, I wish to declare, I have always, and when I've preached on the subject of the deity, I've always preached on the plurality of gods. Yes. Okay. There's, so, Jesus, there's God the Father, Yeah. the Son, Jesus Christ, and there's a Holy Ghost. You Ghost. said there, there was three, only one. There are three separate beings, and so they're all it, gods. Is it three or one? There are they're three one separate, in purpose. Yeah, one, one in, in purpose, purpose, but you believe in three, three beings. Three beings, yeah. Right, so that's three gods of this earth. No, there's only one God okay, of this earth. Okay, three beings means three gods. Yeah, Christ okay, is a so God. Okay, so you believe in three. So, um, in terms of our interaction and engagement with Mormons, can you, can you see how important it is to understand what their church teaches from their prophets about God? So, in these moments, when they try to redefine even their own church's teaching, you can get beneath that language and that cover, and you can actually expose the reality of the false god that they worship. This is why it's important for us. It's not to say that when you go and say uh, you learn about a new cult somewhere and you're trying to figure out how to minister to them, I got to know everything in the world about this cult to actually be effective in reaching them. No, like that's not necessarily true. But it is important for us if we're trying to reach Mormons and like we love them, we're trying to have some depth to our conversation and make it meaningful. We should get to know what they actually believe so that we can actually communicate with them and and hear these moments where they're just not being really honest with their belief system. Like, well, it's only one God. Well, no. It's three gods. Joseph said it's three gods of this earth, and then you know multiple trillions outside of that. And he's like, then he finally admits it. No, with three beings. That's right. Father, son, separate gods. Right. It's like, well, that's what I just said to you is that you believe in three gods of this earth, not one god. Um, right. So it's important, right, when you're you're engaging totally. with any particular field of study, like um, contrast for a second, like not just Mormonism, but um, say with the issue of abortion. Right. Like give, give me some like think about that for a second. What are some examples in terms of like engaging with the pro-choice arguments of the day, understanding what they're saying so we can have the right thing? And in terms of like, say, for example, intersectionality or the typical feminist stuff happening today, like why is it important for us? And like in what way can we show like I need to understand where they're coming from so I know how to talk to it? Like, how do I like who, who do I read? Like, what are they saying? What's their argumentation? Like, What do you think? Well, we'd probably have some of the same audience in those two camps. Yeah. I mean, they're reading Camille Paglia, right? Or the, you know, the, the, the feminists of the day and they're drawing their, their well, morality the, from I mean, cultural Camille commentary. Pag yeah. Camille Paglia is a little 
she believes some things that we believe. Um, okay. In terms of feminism, I think people would read her intersectional. I don't know where the intersectionals. Right. I don't know how they feel. It's kind about of just like Camille. this mishmash of cultural commentary and right. a redefinition of the terms. So, for example, when a Mormon says Jesus, they're not talking about the Jesus of Scripture, right? Right. And then when a feminist, uh, you know, uses the word fetus, right? You know, same kind of uh, or tolerance or tolerance, discrimination right. or or injustice or oppression right. or any of these redefined categories or words. Yeah. Well, and I think fundamentally, especially with feminism or intersectionality, um, and I think with abortion, um, self is Christ. Mm -hmm. You are the person that is going to liberate yourself um, and break your bonds. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and that being said, you are the person who receives worship. And so it's important. It's important that we know, like, who who are when someone gets an abortion, what altar are they laying their sacrifice at? Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or with feminism, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. it's it's the same thing because it's, they're the means of obtaining their own righteousness. And so, just like in Mormonism, they use those means as a way to get closer to their God. Right. Right. So if Mormonism is about doing works, uh, getting your temple recommend, entering the temple so that you can continue to work your way. I mean, what is all that about? It's not coming to God for God. It's not the Christian gospel, which is congratulations, you get God. Mm -hmm. That's the reward of the gospel yes. is that you get Christ and you're in him by faith, apart from any of your works, as opposed to the things that you do are the way that you get closer, right? The, the way that you get to God is you got to go inside the temple. If, if you want to be near God, you got to go offer your, your sacrifice right. and, and, and your works of righteousness in order to obtain favor in his presence so that he'll bless you. And for the woman that gets an abortion, she's got to go inside that place of sacrament in her temple and perform this work of righteousness in her eyes so that she'll be accepted by the world. So she'll get that degree. So she'll uh, be more respected by her boyfriend. So she'll be accepted by her family. All of these things, these works righteous acts, are a means of, of getting closer to her God, whether that's the God of Mormonism, who's a construction of somebody's imagination, or uh, the God of the girl at the abortion clinic or the feminist. It's all a construction of an idol, essentially, a false God that can't save. Yeah. And so you have to redefine that, and then you have to redefine the way that you get to him, which again, is you not coming to God for God. It's you wanting something else like the, the prosperity gospel or the word of faith like you don't right. want god you want something else right. and you're using god as a means to get to that thing that you really want right yeah all right guys i think that's it for today i want to make some encouraging or some recommendations to you guys in terms of if you want to engage this issue of mormonism uh definitely check out alpha and omega ministries on youtube uh, look up dr white's engagement with the mormon church the years of debates uh, you can even type you can type in in the youtube search bar uh, Dr. James White, uh, Mormon, and uh, debate, something like that. You can watch the debates. Uh, definitely check out our channel. Uh, you can look through our, our entire history and see just uh, countless videos. I don't even know how many there are of us uh, engaging Mormons on the street. Probably more than anything, anything else we we've have. ever talked uh, about. It's got to be hundreds. 
Um, and uh, you could also, I mean, you can even just type in Jeff Durbin and Mormon and you'll see like those interactions come up. Um, and uh, let's see, in terms of books, if you want to get into the history of Mormonism, uh, definitely One Nation Under Gods by Richard Abanis. Uh, definitely get No Man Knows My History by uh, Fawn Brody. Um, and if you want um, a great book in terms of interaction, get Letters to a Mormon Elder by Dr. James White. That's excellent. Yeah. Um, that'd be a good start. So I would start that's there. And if you want a good resource that's a must-have resource for direct engagement with the Mormon community, get a little booklet. It's called um, Where Does It Say That? And uh, I don't ever go out to Mormon evangelism without that because when you talk to the modern Mormon, oftentimes you have to actually convert them to Mormonism before they can come to Christ because you have to actually show them this is what your church teaches, this is what Joseph and Brigham Young taught, this is, you have to, and when they'll deny it, you have to just sort of open it. And then they'll go, okay, yeah, I believe that. So that's well, it. Because it's taken on that same thing. Like Mormonism is kind of just what I. Yes. It's it's what I was raised with, and it's also kind of what it, it means to me. Yeah. So to have those, it's it's basically just a book. It yeah. looks kind of like a magazine size, and it has like photocopies Photocop of original texts. Yes. Some some of them are original. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Photocopies like of, of their original uh, works. So like history of the church, general discourses, all that stuff is in there. It's just like Joy said, it's just photocopies of it. So when they deny it, you just go, no, it's right here. And they'll go, okay, yeah, he did say that. I believe that. So that's usually, a, 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 not usually, it is a great resource. And I, We need to start making some of those for oh, yeah, other for, uh, yeah. groups. Yeah, mm. for sure. We're actually going to Salt Lake City for General Conference. We're going to be in Salt Lake City August uh, 6th. No, April. August, <laughs> April. April the 6th in Salt Lake City. We're coming to Utah, y'all, with the team from Apologia Church to go out and do evangelism to reach the Mormon community. Um, if you're in the area, we'd love to catch up with you while we're there. Uh, so that's coming up, guys. Pray for that. And uh, what else is going on? Anything else we can tell everyone to pray for? Definitely pray for our mission in Salt Lake City. Pray for Apologia mm -hmm. Kauai. You guys can still yeah, give to Apologia Kauai at apologiakauai.com. Uh, definitely need your support and help there. Very important mission for us out there. Uh, please be prayer for that. And uh, pray for End Abortion Now, all that God has been with that. Uh, enjoy the girl. See ya. Zach Attack. Later. I'm the Ninja, and we'll catch you guys next time right here on Apologia Radio. I wanted to look up.